The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. My name's Ryan Church, one of the guys on staff here, and we're excited to have you. Before we continue, I want to draw attention to, uh, to some of the announcements that Jen and Kelly has shared with us, specifically as they connect to, uh, to mission and these opportunities that we offer throughout the year to go and, and have an experience, I think, uh, and, and hope, unlike any other uh, that, that you have uh, the opportunity for uh, in, in your year. In particular, I want to ask the question tonight, um, why not go on a missions experience this year? Uh, this Christmas, as you heard, a women, you have a chance to go and uh, enjoy some fellowship while serving alongside others in New Orleans. And guys, uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and not only are you, are you getting to hang out uh, in a little bit of sun, but you get to play some hoops and to reach out to guys that frankly are otherwise very difficult to uh, to connect with. Um, some adolescent boys and, and uh, guys our age are tough to uh, connect with in that context. So why not sign up for one of these experiences? And then uh, one of the things that I think we've become most known for is the adrenaline fest that is the spring break mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And we are taking sign-ups for that tonight. And uh, we've taken uh, upwards of 70 people down there the past several years. But those spots go fast. And so you need to sign up tonight. Uh, we're asking for deposits tonight. Credit cards accepted. Uh, so that's going to happen um, over here. And then the uh, for spring break trips or for the DR trip. And then Christmas trips happen um, over here uh, to, to my right, your left. So... I, I encourage you, why not go on a mission this year? Why not go in, especially if you've never gone, I want to invite you in particular to consider that. Uh, before we get started tonight, I uh, want to, to kind of prime the pump here with a movie, a movie clip that is unquestionably uh, one of my movies that is in my top five all time. So let's prepare ourselves for tonight's message by getting a little bit of encouragement from the wise sage, Ferris Bueller, as he encourages his friend Cameron. Take a look at this as we come to our text tonight. As you saw, Ferris succeeds in getting Cameron out of bed. And what we're going to talk about tonight is it is really a day off. And this was a movie, by the way, that I first saw in the fourth grade, believe it or not. And my Aunt Val took me to see it. I, she probably shouldn't have taken me to see it, but she did. And so I saw it for the first time in the fourth grade. But let's be honest, I really put it into play when I was in college. And I got to tell you that when I was a student here at UW, some friends and I actually did a, a Ferris Bueller's Day Off Seattle style where, you know, we, we kind of ditched class and, you know, we went downtown. We had a sweet lunch at Pike Place Market. We went to the top of the Columbia Tower. We went and looked at priceless works of art at the Seattle Art Museum and, and took in a little hay batter batter uh, at a Mariners game. And all that while we didn't drive a Ferrari, we actually drove my old Camry uh, <laughs> that I affectionately call the must-tee 
that when I pulled up, because I was like, dude, if we're going to do a Ferris Bueller's Day Off, we have to go like have our car valet parked in one of those places where the dudes come out and park your car. And that, I think they were a bit appalled by the moss that was growing on the must-tee. <laughs> but uh, I, I share that, uh, that video and even that story not necessarily to advocate skipping class as much as to be reminded that as we come to the text Tonight, we are going to look at Jesus on a day off. We are going to look at what he did on a day off. To hear some of the things that that he said. To see the reaction of, of others around him. We all get a day of rest. We all get to take a day off. To recharge and to remember. And so I start with, with the story and these images to kind of set our mentality as we come to the text this evening. Let me pray before we, we get into it. Lord, be our teacher. Help us to understand and to receive the great gifts that you desire to give us, the great gifts that show your love for us. So, Lord, I know that we need help in this. Meet us in this place as we gather tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Before we, before I read the text, I want to, I want to remind us of a few things that have happened in our series here that we're doing where we're looking at the Gospel of Mark and asking, what did Jesus do? If we're going to have any shot at answering what would Jesus do, it'd be a good idea if we have an idea of what those that, that were around him and those that were closest to the story are saying that he actually did. So a few weeks ago, we heard from Janie and heard about how Jesus showed us, uh, one acting with authority. Um, this authority to heal, to love. And it was a message that was a little bit different from the message that the Israelite camp was preaching. And then last week we heard uh, from Voy about uh, seeing Jesus sit down with tax collectors and sinners. And that was pretty unpopular with the status quo as well. So what we see is at this point, Jesus has got the attention of some pretty high-powered, influential guys and he is calling into question the sweet structure that they have in place. And these guys uh, are, are now watching Jesus closely. We need to see what this guy is up to. And I think that what we see here is, is that beginning to play out a little bit more. So we pick up the story tonight in Mark 2, beginning at the 23rd verse. I don't think, before I start reading the text, we always project it. Which is awesome, but if you don't have a Bible and would like one, we have free Bibles here at the end. So I encourage you to bring your Bibles every week if you'd like. Um, and if you don't have one, let us know. We'd be stoked to hook you up. Okay, Mark 2, 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, uh, and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look! Why are they doing this? Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And what you need to understand here is what was happening. Not that they were walking through grain fields and picking heads of grain. Don't, don't get the idea that they were, they were stealing or anything like that. What Jesus and his buddies were doing was lawful just in the eyes of the Pharisees. Not on this particular day. Not on the Sabbath. So Jesus hears the question and, and answers, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? 
In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered into the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to, comp- to his companions. Uh, Jesus is referencing a story uh, that you could read in 1 Samuel when, when uh, David and his companions are famished after being away for a while, and they go and eat some bread that is set aside for the high priest. And it is in in that instance, and they weren't rebuked for it. They weren't condemned for it. So they broke this this kind of uh, this rule that that was understood. But it was in that uh, in that moment that the Israelites began to under, get this understanding that human need was the priority um, over over a ritual, over some sort of religious ritualism. So Jesus explains a little bit more clearly as he continues. And this is key in our scripture tonight. Verse 27. Jesus uh, says to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what's going on here? Okay, At risk of oversimplification, this is just a group of guys. This is Jesus hanging out with his buddies on a day off. I don't know how many people in, in sharing what you like to do on a totally free Saturday included, ah, you know, I kind of like to hang out a bit w- with some friends. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did as well. Jesus is hanging with his boys, and I kind of picture it like, like the, the opening scene of, of Reservoir Dogs, a movie that was pretty, fil- pretty popular when I was in school. These guys kind of walking down the street. Mr. Pink kind of complaining about how he doesn't like to tip. It's a fun movie to watch if you never have. But it's a bunch of guys bouncing down the street. I picture it in our context. Maybe they're thinking, hey, let's go, you know, hang out with some women and, you know, see what happens. Okay, so that's a stretch. But what I want you to catch is that this is Jesus hanging out with some friends on a day off. So Jesus has his posse, and we can think about this if, if we need to, to kind of draw a line here. We can think about Jesus and his posse as these as the good guys, right? Well, then you have uh, this other group of guys. We might think of them as bad guys, and they are a bit skeptical of this behavior that we've heard Janie talk about and we've heard Voy talk about and the influence that this guy is having on this community that they, that they know and, and are so interested in. And they throw a little accusation at him. Uh, what you're doing is not legal on the Sabbath. And Jesus essentially communicates, I understand the way you understand it, but that's not the way it is. There's a fundamental difference between how we approach the Sabbath. I think about it like this. In the, in the campaign season that, that we're in right now, perhaps many of you have watched some of the debates between uh, Barack Obama and John McCain. And one of the things that I've appreciated in those debates are those moments when they make it very clear on where the two's ideas and policies diverge. Where one, per, one of the guys may accuse the other and, and they may say, I see what you're saying, but let me... And, and they'll, they'll often say, this is where we disagree. This is where, this is where we disagree. And Jesus is saying that same thing. He's... He's saying that this is a fundamental issue, and what I'm saying very clearly is that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Very distinct policy change here that's being talked about. To Jesus, the Sabbath was created 
as something more than another thing to be obeyed in this list of laws. It was not to put people in a straitjacket. The Sabbath was created for the good of humanity. To provide rest from our work and from our labors. Ferris showed us this pretty well, right? But he also gave it to us as an opportunity to remember and worship a God that gives good gifts to his children. And dare I say, it is a gift to be enjoyed. So what we see is Jesus on the Sabbath hanging out with a group of guys and engaging a little bit of conflict in the midst of his, frankly, casual behavior behavior and walking through a field. He has a message that I think has a tremendous impact on how we understand God. Catch this. That God has given us the Sabbath as a gift. A day off as a gift. To be restored for refreshment and for worship. The Sabbath is a gift. Not another rule to be obeyed. Let's look at the next section of scripture. uh, Beginning at Mark 3. It says this. Another time, he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them, the bad guys, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, the people in the crowd, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good Or to do evil, to save a life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians on how they might kill Jesus. So again, we see Jesus on the Sabbath. Isn't it ironic that on what is supposed to be a day of rest, this day that these Pharisees seem to be so interested in enforcing, they're the ones that seem to be spending a lot of work trying to keep their eyes on on Jesus. Have you noticed that? How much time and, and energy that they spent trying to keep their eye on somebody that was otherwise just kind of hanging out, doing what he does on the Sabbath. They're trying to see what Jesus might do, do next. And then Jesus reverses it on them. Ask them that question, to do good or to do evil? To save a life or kill? Jesus is engaging a question that they already know the, the answer to. It's a quite literal question in, in, in their opinion. And they hear this question and understand that these, these guys that are looking on, it's not that they don't think that this guy should be healed. It's not that they don't, that they don't think necessarily he doesn't deserve that, but what's just mysterious is that they're saying, you can't do it right now. Now is not the time for healing. Now is not the time for love. Maybe tomorrow, but not right now. I think it is this, this type of, of, 
of rigidity that when we read about the Pharisees, it's easy for us, even as I have said tonight, to, to kind of think of these guys as, as bad guys. And I even want to push back on myself for a second and, and invite us to remember that the Pharisees were a group of people that were trying really, really hard to get all these conditions right so that they might beckon the Messiah to come faster. But all these conditions had to be right. And they turned the Sabbath into another set of rules that needed to be obeyed. And for that, we get this sour taste in our mouth about who they are. Then to me, there's a, there's a series of very intriguing events as we look back at the text. Jesus looked at them angry. Angry and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. Jesus was angry. We are seeing a man that, that we understand to be without sin, and yet he's angry. How can that be? How can that be? What's he angry about? Thankfully, Mark continues and gives us a comment on why Jesus was angry. It was the stubborn hearts of the men who prioritized their rules over the restoration of of a person. Their stubborn hearts kept them from a vision of what was truly right and truly just. Uh, I want to tell you a story. Uh, I have four younger sisters. And if I'm to be totally honest, I love being a big brother and the tremendous abuse of power that comes with such a a position. (laughs) A particular snapshot of how this potential abuse of power might play out is uh, an insight into a typical trip to McDonald's for the church family back in the day as we would bounce into the Port Angeles McDonald's, which, by the way, was and may still be the largest McDonald's in the state of Washington by square footage. I think it's probably because the Playland was indoors. So my, my sisters, as we would go to McDonald's, would predictably order a happy meal, and I always found it my job to take the, the happy out of said meal for them. <laughs> and the way that, that I would do this is that uh, I would turn into to kind of the, the uh, well, the French fry pirate, let's be honest. And I would do this, and I would, I would say, take my sister Abby and be like, hey, Abby, look, Ronald McDonald just came in over there. <laughs> and Abby would be like, Really? Where? And I would just be like, I would be taking her fries for my plunder. <laughs> you know, just mowing down her fries. And then she'd turn around and maybe see me take my, my, my hand away really fast. And, you know, inevitably, one of them would, would call on my mom. Mom, Ryan's taking my fries. My mom was, you know, trying to manage all this thing. And she's like, you know, she'd probably cuss at me a little bit, which honestly she did. Which made me laugh, you know. So, so I'm doing this, and, and she'd be like, "Ryan, what, what are you doing?" And I'd be like, "What? I'm not doing anything. I don't know what they're complaining about." And then they, my sisters, would identify this injustice, and and this was exactly probably the reaction I was looking for. And then they'd inevitably turn and go, "I hate you, Ryan." And then I'd kind of smile innocently and go, "I like you, Natalie." <laughs> And then, and then they would, they would respond by going, shut up, Ryan. Much, honestly, much like Nolan kind of does when I make fun of him in the office. And, 
every every sense of of what was right and what was just in that in that situation for my little sisters was totally violated. If there was ever a time that my sister's anger towards me was was totally righteous, was it was in those moments where where their fries were getting ripped off and they knew it, and and I would get away with ever having to pay the consequence. Now, Jesus' anger is a little bit different, but it's justified because it comes out of compassion, out of grace and justice. What Jesus is showing us is now is the time to love. It's a time for restoration. That is what's just. We need to get beyond stubborn hearts. Jesus' sense of anger was not out of entitlement for himself or his opinion or even his rules as much as it was this opportunity to extend compassion and the resistance that he came up across in that moment. These Pharisees are saying, maybe later, but not today. Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and my authority to love and to heal, to invite Sinners and tax collectors to my, t- my table continues at all times, on all days. What follows is so interesting to me that the text doesn't say Jesus healed him. Did you notice that? All Jesus said was stretch out your hand. It doesn't tell us that Jesus touched him. It doesn't say that Jesus said you are healed. Go in peace. I think this is great. Again, brilliantly crafted by Mark. As we ask, what did Jesus do? We can't miss what some of the people around him did. And in this case, what we're told is the Pharisees see the hand healed. We didn't see Jesus touch anyone. We didn't see Jesus say any magic words to make it happen. But they walk away beginning to plot to kill Jesus. By their walking away... What an incredible statement of faith. Jesus didn't say, I healed. Jesus didn't touch him. And they're saying, we saw something that was very real to us. Do you see what's happening here? Then in what has just happened, there's an incredible statement of, we believe from the Pharisees. We believe that this guy's hand was healed, and we believe it was this guy that did it on the Sabbath. You ever notice that? That sometimes some, some of the people, some of the attitudes that are most resistant to different ideas or different paradigms are the ones that in doing so are actually making a huge statement of faith. I think of some of my friends uh, throughout my time growing up and even here in college, some of, the, of my friends that as I began to embrace and, and try and understand the Christian faith a little bit more, were the ones that wanted that did not want to hear anything about it. They didn't want to touch it. And it was interesting that, that in doing so, they were always kind of giving the story power. They were saying, I'm scared of what this might do to me. I'm scared that this might shake things up a little bit too much in the way that, that I see myself. And in my ability to make my own life work. And I think that's exactly what was happening through the Pharisees. By their walking away and plotting, they're saying, this is too real for us to handle. We don't want our little system to fall apart. 
They are confronting the reality of a miracle, confronting the reality of a higher law of love. A couple of reflections that I want to make on these two passages before we continue. With uh, Tom's going to come up and lead us in a few more songs. First is this, that the reality of the Sabbath is a loving gift from a loving God that we are called to simply receive. A loving gift from a loving God that all we need to do is receive this gift. It's intended to restore one's sense of identity and strength. In Sabbath, we stop to remember that God is the creator and redeemer of the universe and cares enough about us, enough about you to say, stop, remember, rest, and enjoy. Saturday is a day that Julie and I, uh, my wife, set aside to do this. I want to I wanna share with you a little bit how we do this, just to give you a bit of a vision for it. That the first way that we receive this gift of the Sabbath is to sleep in. Okay? That is to say we don't set an alarm clock. Things have changed a little bit because now Carson is our alarm clock. But typically we set aside some time to connect with each other. We often go for a walk, maybe go grab a cup of coffee and... And spend some time in the yard, or maybe we'll, we, we're not even talking to each other as much as we'll hang out and read and read the paper or something like that. But it's a time for us to remember some of the simple things. To slow down and check out of the rat race. And at risk of sounding a little bit crazy, one of the things that has been water to my soul as Julie and I have taken this a little bit seriously has been on Saturday mornings, from the time I get up till at least noon, I seek to to remove all the screens in my life. So no computer, no email, no TV. My phone has a screen. I, I seek to avoid that. And it's a, it's a chance to just stop and rest and not feel the pressure of all those things that I, I think a lot of us experience that often drive us crazy. Now, I don't, I don't share that to say we deprive ourselves of things as much as to give you a vision for, honestly, what a great break. It is for both of us on a Saturday. It's a chance for us to remember that God is simply present with us. The picture that we get of Jesus on the Sabbath is of a guy enjoying it with friends, reminding us with his words that we are simply to receive this gift of a day off. There are no conditions for getting to have this gift or to, or to honor the Sabbath. Have you ever thought about this? There are no preconditions. This day comes around every seven days, whether you deserve it or not. It is not contingent upon anything that we actually do or accomplish, any grades that we get. In and of itself, the fact that, that we are given this Sabbath every seven days, I think is a great image of the unconditional grace and love that God has for us. That there's this thing, this built-in holiday every week that God invites us to, jo- to, to enjoy 
And it's not about anything that we do. There's nothing we can do to earn the Sabbath. It just happens. If you are are in a place tonight where you are struggling to grasp, to feel, to understand the love of God, you're going to love this. I want to encourage you to simply take a day off. Is perhaps the reason that, that you're not feeling on fire in your faith or you're not understanding the gospel is because there is just too much other stuff that you're doing and it just crowds out your ability to really embrace what is this love, this grace for me? Do you need to simply take a day off? Do you honor this Sabbath by receiving it as God's gift for you? The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Second, love is the higher law. Love is the the highest law. The kingdom of God, there is no higher law than the gift of love. Jesus calls on a story of David and his buddies and saying, in their moment of need, they, they they had to eat. And before ritualism comes human need. Love the higher law. And then, of course, the man with the shriveled hand being healed. doesn't matter what day it is. Love is the higher law. Now is the time to love. Now is the time for restoration. Love is the center, the heart of what we do as followers of Christ. It's the heart of the gospel, more important than being religious, than doing the right song and dance, than being right theologically, is to simply love. To love and do it now. One of my favorite music groups is the Irish band U2. And in the 90s, they wrote a song called One, where they struggle with this. They, they put the words to, to it in the, as Bono sings the lyrics, you say, love is a temple, love a higher law. Love is a temple, love the higher law. There is no right time or convenient time to love. Is there anything, is there Anything, any place in your life right now where you keep waiting for conditions to be right or to change, to extend grace. A place for reconciliation that you keep waiting on. There is no rule or ritual that is more urgent than our call to love right now. Even on a day off. We don't have to wait until tomorrow. Love is the higher law. I want to invite you to, to pray tonight. Uh, if, there is, if there is something, uh, if you're feeling tired, broken, uh, worn out in this time, we've, we've got a, a corner in the back here, a big sign that says prayer, and more importantly, people that would love to, to come alongside you if there's a particular place of pain or brokenness that you uh, need somebody to come alongside you. Or perhaps there is a place where you find yourself waiting to extend grace and love to others. That you need 
the help of the Holy Spirit on and you need somebody else to come and pray because you just don't feel like you can pray tonight. I want to invite you to pray for those specific things if you find yourself in that place tonight. Again, it's back here. Uh, there's some lamps on back there. A sign that says prayer. People would love uh, to pray with you. If you are struggling, friends, to receive and understand the love and grace of God that is a reality for you, my encouragement tonight is take a day off. Take a day off. Maybe eliminate some screens. Eliminate some of the clutter. And just embrace this gift that's for each of us. Let me pray for us as we come into a time of worship and song. Lord, we are grateful that you give us uh, the Sabbath. You give us a day off. You invite us to rest, to enjoy, to stop. And remember that you, uh, you are creator and redeemer of all things. And uh, Lord, uh, we, we struggle to stop in a uh, competitive culture. And, and so, Lord, again, we, we stop right now and ask that you would help us give a vision for receiving the gift of love that you have for us. Lord, thank you for your, your great love that you do have for us. In Christ's name, amen.